Let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb. Of all the sporting events in the world, the most difficult and challenging competition of all is the Ironman Triathlon. The Ironman Triathlon is a race that involves swimming, biking, and running for long distances without any break. When the race begins at 7 a.m., the athletes must first swim nearly four kilometers. Then, without stopping to rest, they get on a bicycle and race 180 kilometers. Then, without stopping to rest, they have to run a marathon of 42 kilometers. And all the races must be completed in 17 hours or less. It's no wonder that many that start never finish. The conditions for an Ironman triathlon are grueling and harsh, even for the best trained athletes. But imagine how difficult it would be competing in such an event when you were blind. Why, it would be nearly impossible. How would you know where to swim? How would you avoid an accident on your bicycle? How could you stay on course during the run? Yet, that's exactly what Mark Griffin did in Chicago, USA in 2009. Though legally blind, Mark competed and completed an Ironman triathlon. How could a blind man possibly accomplish this feat? His secret to success is that he had a guide named Scott Burkhart who swam next to him, ran next to him, and rode a bicycle together with him. Though Mark had to do the work himself, he had a partner next to him working alongside him throughout the entire race. When Mark couldn't see where to go, Scott would tell him, swim left, run straight. When Mark needed to know the terrain, Scott would tell him, there's a hill coming up, watch out for that bump ahead. When Mark could not determine how far he'd raced on his bike, Scott would inform him, we're halfway there. You're almost to the finish line. Keep going. Keep pressing. You're almost done. And so Mark Griffin, a blind man, completed an Ironman triathlon with the help of a partner who could see what Mark didn't see. He made it to the finish line. He had to train himself. He had to work hard. He still had to endure the hardships of the race. But it was all possible because of his guide running alongside him every step of the race. And there's a powerful lesson for all of us in the inspiring and true story of Mark Griffin. For the fact is, in many ways, you and I are just like Mark. We're all running a race, the race of life. Sometimes we don't know the best path to follow. We are limited by our lack of vision, yet we have a guide, a partner, who never leaves our side. And through his word, God speaks to us and encourages us every moment. Through his word, God warns us of danger and inspires us to press on. Best of all, Jesus himself has passed through this race. He's experienced the same race himself. And he knows everything that lies ahead. He sees all the details of the path we're on. And he knows just how to guide us. And if we will listen and follow his word... We will win the race and receive our prize. For Mark Griffin, the most important question he had to ask as he competed in the Ironman triathlon was this. What does my guide say I should do? 
And for us, the most important question we have to ask as we journey through life is this. What does my Bible say I should do? For you see, the good news for all of us is that we have the reliable, infallible, accurate Word of God available to us to lead us through every facet of life. If we'll cling to it and rely on it as the basis of truth, we will never go astray. That's the truth we're going to discover today in our sermon titled, The Solid Rock. But before we learn more, let's bow our heads and pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we thank you that you are here with us to give us hope, encouragement, and truth. Your word is in us to guide us and be a lamp for our feet and a light to our path. I ask today that you give us a hunger for your word. Show us the truth in your word and how we need it to lead us every moment of every day. Inspire in us a greater desire to look to your word for every decision, every doctrine, every belief, every practice. Show us, Lord, how valuable your word is and how our lives will be empowered when we listen to and align with your word. We submit to you now. We bind every voice that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit, the power to give us light and life and truth and grace to obey. We thank you by faith in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I want to invite you to join your faith with mine right now. Put your hand on your chest and pray after me. Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, hello everyone and welcome to Truth For Today. It's a great joy to have you join me as we begin our new sermon series titled, Is That in the Bible? Over the next few weeks, we're going to experience a living word encounter. As we go deeper in God's word, we're going to discover some amazing truths about the Bible. We're going to examine some popular ideas in society today that many people believe, and we're going to compare them to what the Bible says. I promise you, if you join me each week and pay attention to God's Word, your life will never be the same. So throughout this series, I challenge you to read the Bible more, to memorize the Bible, to let God guide you through His Word like never before. For when you do, you will find new strength in life. You will succeed when you follow God's word. That's what Jesus himself promises to us in our scripture text for today's sermon. And to help us study what he said, we've prepared sermon notes, which you can download for free from my website and all my social media platforms. I invite you to get your notes out now and follow along with me as we learn three reasons you need to align with God's word. And there at the top of your notes is our text for today. It's the words of Jesus found in the gospel of Matthew chapter 7 verses 24 to 27. Now receive the word of the Lord. Everyone who hears my words and obeys them is like a wise man who built his house on rock. It rained hard, the floods came, and the winds blew and hit that house, but it did not fall because it was built on rock. Everyone who hears my words and does not obey them is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. It rained hard, the floods came, and the winds blew and hit that house, and it fell with a big crash. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. 
I don't know about you, but I love it when Jesus tells stories. His stories paint such a vivid picture of the truth he's communicating with us. And this short story is no exception. In these few short verses, Jesus tells us plainly how important it is for all of us to align our lives with God's Word. He describes the Word of God as a solid rock. If we build on it, we will endure the storms of life and have success. If we build on anything else, we will end up in disaster. In other words, Jesus is telling us clearly that God's Word must be the foundation for our lives. And he gives us three reasons we must examine every decision, every doctrine, and every direction for our lives by asking ourselves, is that in the Bible? So let's take a moment and see why Jesus has given us the Bible as the foundation for our lives. And here's your first truth today. God's Word is the solid rock of truth. Everybody say truth. Jesus begins his story talking about two men who built two different houses. And from that opening, we discover that there are only two foundations you can build your life upon. God's Word and everything else. You can be wise and build your house on the solid rock of God's Word, or you can be foolish and build your house on anything else, which is sand. If you want to follow Jesus, you have to build your life on God's Word. God's Word is the only truth you can build your life upon. His Word is the sole basis for your beliefs and practices, for the fact is God's Word is truth. This is exactly what Jesus believed. In John 17, 17, when Jesus prayed to God the Father, he proclaimed, Your Word is truth. And when Jesus said that God's word is truth, he meant that it was pure, perfect, and infallible. He meant that it could always be trusted, it should never be doubted, and that we can follow it completely. In fact, in Psalm 12, 6, the Bible says, The words of the Lord are perfect. They are like silver, made pure in a clay furnace. They are like gold, made pure seven times over. God's word is always true. Because it was given to us by the God who cannot lie. For Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He's not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? He is the final authority on everything in this life. And when you build on his word, you're building on a rock that cannot be moved, a foundation that cannot be shaken. No matter what anyone else says, when you have God's word, you have the final authority. And because God's word is his final authority, it's powerful. God's word is not only true, it's totally powerful as well. It is strong and unmovable. It is solid and sure and unshakable. It is a mighty fortress that has power. In fact, I believe God's word is the most powerful rock in the world. Think for a moment about how strong that rock is. When there was nothing at all in the world, God spoke his word and everything we see came into existence. It's his word that brought light. It's his word that brought the mountains out of the ground. It's his word that made the sea roar. It's his word that set the sun in its place and the stars in the heavens. It's his word that gave the lion life and made the lions roar. For Psalm 33, 6 and 7 teaches us, the Lord merely spoke, 
and the heavens were created. He breathed the word and all the stars were born. He assigned the sea its boundaries and locked the oceans in vast reservoirs. When the sea wanted to cover the earth, God's word said, that's enough, and the sea obeyed. When the sun wanted to come too close, it's God's word that kept it in its place. God's word holds the whole universe in place. It's true. It's powerful. And God's word can be trusted at all times. But you don't have to just accept that fact today because God said it. You don't have to just accept the Bible because I said it. There are many facts that support the truth of God's Word. So let me give you three outside, independent reasons you can trust the Bible today. First of all, you can trust the Bible because it is historically confirmed. See, the Bible isn't just doctrinally correct. It's not just theologically correct. It's not just accurate regarding morals and regarding ethics. It's true history. It tells about real people in real places in real time. It is true historically. In fact, if you judge the Bible against the strictest standards of history, you'll discover that the Bible has more credible historical confirmation than any other ancient historical writings. The Bible is historically accurate because most of it was written by first-hand eyewitness accounts. And the fact is, the most accurate historical accounts always come from eyewitnesses. I remember way back in September of 2016, there was a huge gas explosion at Atomic here in Accra, where I live. I watched some of the news reporting on the explosion, and when the story first broke, it was obvious that the reporter did not know what he was talking about. He wasn't there. He didn't see what took place, so he was speculating and making assumptions. But later on, when the news began reporting eyewitness accounts, then the story became credible. People who were there at the moment of the explosion told their story, and we believed them because they were eyewitnesses. And that's why you can trust the Bible. Moses was there when the Red Sea parted. Joshua was there when the walls of Jericho fell. The disciples of Jesus sat in the upper room, and they saw the resurrected Jesus appear. And then they wrote down what happened, and we read about it today. Matthew was there, and he wrote it down. John was there, and he wrote it down. And as we look back on these eyewitness accounts, archaeology proves them correct. As archaeologists have dug and examined ancient ruins, they confirm what the Bible says is true. For example, Luke wrote the book of Acts. He talks about 54 cities, 39 countries, and 9 different islands. And all of them have been confirmed as completely historically accurate. Luke had no way to know these facts unless he'd actually been there himself as an eyewitness. In fact, whenever there's been a dispute between the Bible and archaeology, the Bible is eventually always proven accurate. For instance, for a long time, historians did not believe in the Hittite empire. They didn't believe in a people called the Hittites. And the Bible talks about an empire called the Hittites. But apart from the Bible, there was no other evidence of the Hittite empire. It was not talked about anywhere else. So for centuries, historians said, oh, the Bible just made it up. But then, 
1906, a professor by the name of Hugo Winkler discovered 10,000 clay tablets that confirmed the existence of the Hittite Empire. Today, everyone believes in the Hittites. That's why Psalm 119.86 says, all your commands can be trusted. But not only is the Bible historically confirmed, you can also trust the Bible because it is prophetically accurate. You see, the Bible is filled with thousands of prophecies that have already been fulfilled. Thousands of times the Bible predicted something specific would happen. And thousands of times that's exactly what happened. There are over 300 prophecies in the Bible about Jesus the Messiah up to a thousand years before he was born in Bethlehem. And over a thousand year period, 300 prophecies said things like, this is where he'll be born, this is when he'll be born, this is how he'll be born, this is how he will die, this is the manner of his death. Over 300 prophecies and all of them came true. What are the odds of someone making 300 prophecies and predictions about you and every single one of them comes true. And what are the odds of that person making those prophecies a thousand years before you were born? The odds are so astronomical, you can't write that number down. It takes more faith to believe that this is all just a coincidence than to believe that God planned it. It takes enormous faith to believe that these things just happen by chance without a designer, without a creator. For example, a thousand years before Jesus came and died on the cross, David, in one of his Psalms, describes what death by crucifixion would look like. That was a thousand years before the Romans even thought of crucifixion. It did not exist. And yet David described what death by crucifixion looked like. How did he know? Only God could have told him. That's why Hebrews 6.18 says, it is impossible for God to lie. The Bible is historically confirmed. The Bible is prophetically accurate. And then the third proof that the Bible can be trusted is because the Bible is scientifically correct. Now, I know that many people today find that hard to believe. We've been lied to and we've been told that the science contradicts the Bible. There's so much deception about science and the Bible, and a lot of people are deceived. They think that the Bible and science contradict one another. I could preach a whole sermon just on this topic alone. But let me just make it clear today that science is constantly changing, but God's Word never changes. And every time that scientists have said the Bible was wrong, it turned out later on that the Bible was right and the scientists were wrong. For example, for thousands of years, everyone believed that the earth was flat. All the great minds, all the great scientists, all the great philosophers and educators all said, the earth is flat. But then scientists like Copernicus and Galileo and explorers like Columbus came along and began to discover that the world was not flat, it's round, it's a globe. But God told us the earth was round before any scientist discovered it. In Isaiah 40, 22, the Bible says, God sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. Long before anybody knew it, long before anyone believed it, God said it and it was true. Now, all of science confirms what God said is true. The earth is round. For thousands of years, 
people believed that the earth had to be held up by something. Depending upon the culture you came from or the nation you were raised in, you got certain different beliefs on what held it up. For instance, the Greek people believed that the earth was held up by a giant named Atlas. The Egyptians believed that five pillars held up the earth. The Hindus believed the earth was held on the back of elephants. And when the elephants moved, that's what caused earthquakes. What did the elephants stand on? Well, Hindus believed that the giant elephants stood on the back of a giant sea turtle. And the giant sea turtle stood on the back of a giant sea serpent who swam through cosmic sea. That was the prevailing attitude in the world for thousands of years. I'm not making this up. You can find this in any encyclopedia. But thousands of years ago, the Bible told us the truth. The earth is not held up by a giant named Atlas. It's not held up by pillars. And the earth does not ride on the back of elephants. In Job 26.7, the Bible declares the truth. God stretches the sky over empty space and hangs the earth on nothing. And today, every scientist in the world will tell you the exact same thing that the Bible declared thousands of years ago. The earth is suspended in space and is not held in place by anything. At the end of the day, the Bible always proves right. Science may come out with one claim or the other, but in the end, science evolves and science adds information and science changes its mind. For example, in 1861, there was a famous book written called 51 Incontrovertible Proofs That the Bible is Scientifically Inaccurate. It's a very famous book. 51 incontrovertible scientific facts that scientists in 1861 said were proof that the Bible was wrong. The only problem is that today, more than 150 years later, you cannot find one single scientist in the world who would agree with any of those 51 incontrovertible facts. They've all been disproven by science. Because truth does not change. Science changes. Truth doesn't change, but people's knowledge changes. That's why Psalm 33, 4 declares, For the word of the Lord holds true, and we can trust everything he does. Scientists used to believe that there were a thousand stars in the sky. The Bible said that the stars in the sky could not be counted. And today, scientists have come to agree with the Bible. Scientists used to believe that if a person was sick, you had to drain blood out of him to get rid of the sickness. In fact, it's been proven that the first president of the USA, George Washington, was bled to death by his own doctors. But the Bible says that the life of a man is in his blood. And today, we give sick people blood transfusions to cure them. No doctor in the world believes that you can cure a man by draining his blood. Today, scientists have come to agree with the Bible. 
The Bible is always scientifically accurate. It is always ahead of science. That's why if it's in the Bible, I believe it and accept it as truth. It has endured and will always endure. As Jesus said in Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And that brings us to the second reason you need to align with God's word. God's word provides stability in the storm. Listen to what Jesus said in our scripture text for today. He tells us that the house built on the rock did not fall because it was built on rock. In other words, when you build your life on God's word, you have stability in every storm. Though the wind may blow, though the floods may come, though the rain may fall, God's word will keep you stable. See, friends, God's word is eternal, and when it lives in us, it gives us the strength to endure. It gives us stability. God's word not only created the heavens and the earth, it not only has power in the natural realm, prophetic realm, and the historical realm, God's word has power inside me. His word is powerful. His word is mighty. His word is a rock, and nothing can get past the word of God. If you believe it, say amen. That's why Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates, even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. And when that word is in us, we have power. His word in us can give us strength and be a rock. It's a rock of safety, a rock of shelter, a rock of refuge. It's a fortress for us against the attacks of the enemy. That's why even Jesus, the Son of God, used the word of God to fight the devil. Every time Satan tempted Jesus, Jesus responded with the word of God. And in the same way, you and I can battle against the devil when we use God's word. That's why Ephesians 6, 17 says, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The power of God's word will work for you. In fact, everything you need is available to you through the word of God. Everything you need is in the Bible. Every promise for every provision is found in God's word. Every encouragement, every guidance, every correction, every wisdom you need is in God's word. If you'll get into God's word, you'll get power in your life. You'll get more than you thought. Reminds me of the funny story of a young man who was on his way to university for studies. His parents were devout Christians. And so as their son was about to leave home to go to school, the parents gave him a brand new Bible. They wanted him to get into the Bible. Be sure to study God's word and read it every day, the father said. It's full of truth. It will help you in life. In fact, the dad said, you'll be surprised at all the good things that come to you from the Bible. Then he winked at the young man and smiled. Well, the young man thanked his parents, packed his new Bible in his bag, and left for campus. But to be frank, he wasn't all that interested in the Bible, and so he kept it in his bag while he met friends and started his studies. But a few weeks later, this young man had run short of cash. He was desperate for some cash. So he called his dad and said, Dad, I need money. The father replied, Have you been reading your Bible? What? The son said, what does reading my Bible have to do with cash? I need money, Dad. Well, the dad said, I suggest you read Proverbs chapter 7. That was all the dad said. Then he hung up the phone. Well, the young man felt so confused, he decided to call his mom instead. When she picked his call, the son said, Mom, I need some cash. 
But to his shock, his mom responded exactly the same way his dad had. The mother asked her son, have you been reading your Bible? What? The son said, what does reading my Bible have to do with cash? I need money, mom. Well, the mom said, I suggest you read the book of Ephesians. That was all she said. Then she hung up the phone. Well, the son was dejected. He really needed cash. He couldn't understand why his parents kept telling him to read his Bible. But with nowhere else to turn and his stomach growling, the young man decided to pick up his Bible and read. And when he opened to Proverbs 7, he got the shock of his life. For there, his father had tucked some cash notes inside. And when he found the cash, he turned to Ephesians. And there, his mom had hidden some cash in the pages of his Bible. You may never find cash in your Bible, but there's more to the Bible than what you think. You may only view it as a religious book filled with commandments and rules, but inside God's Word, there's life. Inside His Word, there's peace for troubled minds. Inside His Word, there's hope for every heart. There is freedom for you in the Bible. For in John 8, 31 to 32, Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. There is guidance for you in the Bible. For Psalm 119, 105 tells us, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. There's power over sin for you in the Bible. For Psalm 119, 11 teaches us, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. There is healing for you in the Bible. For Psalm 107.20 says, He sent out His word and healed them, snatching them from the door of death. There is strength to meet every challenge for you in the Bible. For Psalm 119.28 says, Strengthen me according to your word. No matter the storm you face, when you build your life on God's word, your house will stand. The rain may fall. The wind may blow. The enemy may try. But you you cannot be defeated when your life is founded on the Bible. And that truth brings us to our final truth today. God's word brings success in life when we submit to it. Jesus makes it clear that his word is the only foundation for a successful life. He makes it clear that his word is the only stability that can see you through the storms of life. He makes it clear that you have to submit to his word to have stability and success. All that the Bible does for us will only work when we align with it. God's word only helps us succeed when we submit to it. See, here's the fact you need to pack up and take home with you today. In our story in Matthew 7, both the wise and foolish builders heard the word. Listen to verse 24. Everyone who hears my words and obeys them is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. But listen also to verse 26. Everyone who hears my words and does not obey them is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. It rained hard, the floods came, and the winds blew and hit that house, and it fell with a big crash. Both men heard the word of God. Both men likely went to church. Both men may have read the Bible. Both men could quote scripture and tell you Bible stories. But that was the only thing similar between them. 
Both the wise and the foolish men heard the word of God, but only the wise man heard and obeyed. The foolish man heard God's word, but did not submit to it. And when the storms came, his life fell apart. The difference between the hearer and the obeyer and the hearer and the disobedient can be illustrated in this true story of the hostage rescue that took place years ago in Uganda. On June 27, 1976, an Air France plane flying from Israel to France was hijacked by terrorists. The plane and the nearly 250 passengers on board were then flown to Entebbe Airport in Uganda. Over the following days, 148 hostages were released, but all 94 Jewish passengers were still held hostage. The terrorists threatened to kill all the Jewish hostages unless their demands were met. But the nation of Israel refused to meet the demands. Instead, on July 4th, they sent 100 commandos to Entebbe, Uganda, to rescue the hostages. Under cover of night, the Israelis landed several planes at the airport at Entebbe, where the hostages were being held. They prepared to rescue the hostages, but they faced one problem. Since the hostages and the terrorists were all in the same building together, how could the Israeli soldiers distinguish between the two different groups? If they just went in and started firing shots, they might hit one of the people they'd come to rescue. Then they devised a plan. Since the hostages were Jewish and the terrorists were not, they knew that the hostages alone would all understand Hebrew, the language of Israel. The terrorists were Arabs and Germans who did not understand Hebrew. The commandos knew that if they would shout a command to the people in Hebrew, that only the Jewish hostages would understand it. Anyone who did not obey the command would be killed. And so it was. The soldiers rushed into the airport terminal and shouted in Hebrew, Get down on the ground! Get down on the ground! And because the hostages understood Hebrew, they obeyed the word and quickly dropped to the ground. The terrorists heard the words but did not understand the words. They did not obey the words. The Israeli soldiers quickly fired at the terrorists, killing all of them and freeing the hostages. What was it that brought freedom to the people? It was the word spoken to them. But the same word that brought liberty to the captives brought destruction to the disobedient. The same word brought life and death depending on which side you aligned yourself with. Both the hostages and the terrorists heard the words spoken by the Israeli soldiers, but only those who heard, understood, and obeyed were saved. The same thing is true of the word of God. God's word brings life to God's people. It brings healing, salvation, deliverance, and every good gift. But that same word brings destruction and judgment on those who refuse to obey God's word. That's why James 1, to 25 says, But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. If you submit to God's word, your life will have success. But if you follow any other guide or listen to any other voice, 
you will end up in disaster. That's why in Luke eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus replied, even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. Jesus taught us a story in Matthew 7. It's a story of two foundations, the word of God and everything else. There's no middle ground. There's no third way. Either you are building on the foundation of God's word or you're building on something else that will fail. It's a story of two fellows, the obedient and the disobedient. There's no third fellow. Either you do what God says or you don't. Either you're wise or you're foolish. And it's a story of two futures. If you build your life on God's word and obey it, your life will last. You will survive the storms of life and live with Jesus forever. If you build your life on anything else and ignore and disobey God's word, then the storms of this life will destroy everything you build. Your life will come up short and great will be the collapse of everything you built. Everything you've done, all that you work for will come to nothing. You'll be left facing judgment with only sand slipping through your fingers. Which foundation will you build on? The solid rock of God's word or the shifting sand of popular opinion? Which fellow will you be? The wise that hears and obeys or the foolish who hears and ignores? Which future will you hold? A future of success or a future of collapse? I promise you, if you build your life on God's word and obey what you hear, you will have success in life. You will be stable in the storm. You will overcome and receive a reward. That's why it's critical to ask yourself, is that in the Bible? For the word of God says in Joshua 1.8, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Today, I challenge you to ask this one question when testing any doctrine, any prophecy, any teaching, any revelation, any man of God, anything you hear on radio or TV. Is that in the Bible? Any radio message, any sermon, any prophecy, any vision or dream, any Facebook post, any idea, any saying or phrase, all must be judged in the light of the Bible. Commit to making God's word your foundation and you will prosper and succeed. Let me pray for you. Father, I lift up each and everyone watching and listening today. I pray that you will increase our hunger for your word. Convict us, Lord, for some of us have heard your word, but we still ignore it. Convict us of where we have failed to align with your word. Convict us, Lord, of all the activities and all the building and all the struggling and striving we're making, but we're building on sand when we ignore your word. Some of us, Lord, have been so foolish to believe a prophecy or a vision or a Facebook post Yet we ignore the word of the living God. Forgive us, convict us, challenge us, change us. Help us today to put all of our trust in you and your word. Let this be the guiding principle for every decision, every doctrine, every direction. Is that in the Bible? 
thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House, New Testament Church in East Avon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30, 9.30 or 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience.